This is Annie Grace, and you're listening to this Naked Mind podcast, where without judgment, pain, or rules, we explore the role of alcohol in our lives and culture. Hi, this is Annie Grace at this Naked Mind podcast, and I'm here with Barbara. Welcome, Barbara. Thanks for being here. Thanks for inviting me. It's awesome to have you. So why don't you take us back um, to the beginning? Like where did, where did drinking start for you? What was your early experiences with alcohol like? Well, my family were fine. I mean, the whole family was good. We had alcohol in the house all the time. My folks would have a cocktail with neighbors or friends or what have you. But, um, you know, we were not given drinks or anything. But in high school, um, there were there was a lot of beer and so you know i shared a beer or two and that's where i started and i liked it and yeah uh, <laughs> and so it went from there to con- you know drinking through high school and, and college and then um really continuing just with beer and a little maybe some hard spirits at times but mainly beer and then when uh i started teaching in arizona I was introduced to scotch and water and um, I didn't like it at first, but that's when the drinking really, really started. But I still was, I was a partying kind of person, but I didn't drink during the day and I held my job and that sort of thing. And I didn't really begin to notice that drinking was a problem until I got married because my husband, his stepmother had been an alcoholic and I did have alcoholism in my family too, but um, he really, he would, he would have a glass of wine or a drink, but he was not a drinker. And I still really liked to drink. So, you know, I would drink at parties and that didn't go well from time to time. And then eventually it played a role in our divorce. And, and so how old were you when you got married? I was 29. So I had been single for quite a while, but, um, Everybody seemed to be getting married at about the same time I did. And, and so he just barely ever drank, but did he start to sort of talk to you about your drinking or was it pretty? He didn't like it. He really didn't like it. And we had small children and he didn't think that was appropriate. And um, of course, I didn't think there was anything wrong with it. I thought it was just peachy fine. And um, after the divorce, then I had to raise my children um, by myself, basically, and I would drink with friends and just continued to drink and drink and drink. But I never, I always held my job. I worked in the hospitality and restaurant business almost all of my adult life. So I was always around alcohol and it never seemed to phase my, my uh, working. But then after my second husband and I got married, we would sit down every evening for a cocktail and that began to be a problem because I drink too fast and I would have one after another. And, you know, he would try to caution me. He was, he was nice about it, but he didn't like it. And then, you know, that led to some difficulties, but finally, just about a year ago or so, and I had, I had thought over the years, you know, maybe I'll try AA, but I, AA was too structured as far as I was concerned. It was, you you had a disease and therefore you had to cure yourself and always, you'd always be an alcoholic. Mm. So when I bought your book, I just happened to see it and it just 
explain things in a different way. I really like the way you write and um, I like the way you approach the end of drinking. And so, and I felt when I finally thought that I would try your 30 day experience, I, I liked the idea that you thought, well, okay, at the end of the 30 days, you could moderate your drinking. Well, I knew as the, thir the days went by that that wasn't going to happen for me. So I haven't had a drink since. Well, that's so great. <laughs> so it's amazing how you really come into it with the idea that you want something different. And then once you learn all of it, you're like, oh, actually, I don't think I want that anymore. But yeah. it's a good entry point. So but I always, I loved the looks of cocktails and, and I always felt that that made things more festive. And so that was part of my drinking too, looking forward to holidays or evenings out and that sort of thing. And, and so during your, um, you know, when you were drinking over the years and whatnot, how many kids do you have? Three. Three kids, me too. Mm -hmm. And um, was, are there any instances or times or memories where it was just like, huh, you know, something, something isn't quite right here? Well, I can tell you one instance. Um, and this was when I was single and I had met a friend from high school days and uh, we'd gone out. He was a great dancer and we'd been dancing and enjoying ourselves. And finally it was time to go home. You know, it was, it was late. My kids were at home and um, my mother lived with me for part of that time. So I knew, you know, she was home. And so I decided, you know, it's time to go. So we go out. Well, the, the guy that had the keys, I um, parked, had the car parked and the guy had gone home and my keys weren't there. And so I thought, uh, so I called my son, he answered. And I said, Todd, you gotta come get me. The, the guy with the keys went home. So he came, had a second set of keys and he could tell I'd had too much to drink. He didn't look very happy. He was a high school student at that time. And so I followed him home and I knew I wasn't driving really well, but we got home and nothing was said. I went to bed and the next day he said, mom, you could have killed somebody. Mm -hmm. You had no business in that car. And that really, well, it hurt my feelings, but it made me realize that I think that was probably the really first time that I thought, mm, this is bad. I can't do this. Even though I continued to do it, you know, in different instances, I still drove and I still drank, but that was always in the back of my mind. Yeah. And was it something that you were doing like at home or was it mostly limited to being out and being at an event or being festive? Mostly when I, I never really drank at home and I never really drank during the daytime. Um, so if people were over, I would drink at home. You know, if we were having dinner or something like that, I always drank. Or uh, even if the kids were with me and we were with, with another person, I would drink. But um, I never drank by myself, really. And do you feel like from when your childhood, seeing your, your children's be, being adults and stuff, do you think the culture has changed around alcohol and gotten worse over the years? Or do you think it's, it stayed pretty much the same? I think it's interesting. I think there is more of a push away from alcohol and I'm sure the alcohol uh, lobby is very unhappy about that. But, um, and it's such a strong lobby and it's so much a part of restaurants and hotels and that sort of thing. But I think a lot of people are taking a second look at, at alcohol and saying, you know, maybe I don't like this so much. 
Yeah, maybe it's not as fun as I thought it was. Yeah. Interesting. I know it does make me interested to just think about, you know, the, the financials of just a local business, right? Like a local restaurant. Right. They would have a really hard time staying in business without alcohol. They would. They would. In fact, when I helped a local chef who later became nationally famous open his restaurant, the main thing we had to do was to make sure that we had priced the alcohol right because that's where he made his money. So, I mean, you're absolutely right. Yeah. Yeah. Which would be such a tragedy, but it's also, it's like this double-edged sword, you know, but there's just big profit margin in alcohol. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, um, so, you know, what has been kind of the repercussions of, of this big lifestyle change for you? Has it changed things socially or? Well, it's been, it's been a pretty short time because, you know, it's too bad I had to be 83 years old before I decided I wasn't going to drink anymore. But, but my husband loves it, you know, and we still sit at night. He, he was very concerned that he should get all the alcohol out of the house. And I said, no, that's, I don't want to do that to you because you don't drink too much. In fact, he maybe has one drink at night. And so I have my, um, I make a couple of different things with uh, club soda or with Perrier or something, and I really enjoy it. So that's been great. And I just feel so good. I really feel better. Um, And my daughter knows, my daughters, my two daughters and my son, they all know now. And I've sort of said it, I've started to tell friends and it's very interesting because I've had two or three friends say, you know, I've kind of thought about not drinking anymore. And, you know, I'm not pushing that on anybody, but, you know, I said, it's just been good for me. So that's, that's all I can say to you is if you decide not to drink or drink less, whoopee, but, you know, it's working for me. That's awesome. Yeah, I love that you're not pushing it. I think that's so I don't think that works anyway, you know, because there was a period when um, we, I was drinking with my second husband and we would decide, I'd say, okay, I'm only going to have one drink tonight. (laughs) Well, you know, pretty soon I was having two drinks and then pretty soon I was having three. And by the fourth one, he was saying, you know, Barbara, this isn't working. And I said, oh, no, no, I'm fine. I'm fine. You know, I'm, this is, this is fine. I got it under control but I didn't have it under control. So that's a kind of a rude awakening when you really late in life figure that out. <laughs> and I have actually a lot of people asked me about being late in life and, and saying, well, what's the point? Like, why would I do this now? Did that cross your mind at all? It did. And it still kind of does at times. It doesn't make me want to drink, but it makes me realize I kind of wish I'd done it a lot sooner. I wish I'd done it when my children were younger. I would have better been a better role model from that standpoint, although none of my children drink. Well, my oldest daughter is a type one diabetic, so she really can't drink much. My, my son, who's my youngest, very seldom drinks, and his partner, she doesn't drink at all. And my middle daughter is the one that could have alcoholic problems. And, um, but she doesn't drink anymore much. I mean, she will. She'll go out with her friends and, you know, have cocktails and what have you, but she's really tried not to. But I have to tell you another story, and that is that um, when my mother, when I lost my dad, I, I live in Arizona, my mother lived in Nevada, and I got a call from a neighbor, and she said, Barb, 
I'm really concerned about your mother. She said, I think she's really drinking. Well, my mother never was a drinker. And I said, oh, no, no, I don't think so. And there had been some very tragic circumstances with my brother. But she said, no, I think you better, you better pay attention to what's happening. So I went up to see her. And sure enough, she said, no, I'm not. But I had the kids in Arizona, so I had to get back. And finally, I said to her, I would love to have you come to Arizona, which she wasn't too excited about doing. She, all her friends were in Northern Nevada, and she didn't really want to move. But I said, but you've got to stop the drinking. And she said, well, somebody told me about a place in another town that was close by that is a rehab place. And I said, I'll tell you what, you go have your this neighbor friend of mine or of hers take you. And if you do that inpatient, I'll come get you and we'll move to Arizona. It was really tough for her. But when she got here, she decided that she needed more inpatient uh, treatment. So she did. And then she went to AA and, and she didn't drink anymore at 70 years old. So but here's a woman that didn't drink all her life, basically. It became and Yeah. And I think it was the sadness, you know, of losing her husband. And uh, my brother committed suicide. He had, was a paranoid schizophrenic, and it was a very sad time. And uh, that was, you know, that's a terrible thing to go through. So anyway. It's so often when it happens is when there's something really tragic that happens and then our drinking changes as we start to self-medicate it yeah. is really really true and so seeing your mom stop um <clears throat> what, did that make you think about your own drinking at all or yes. was it yeah that helped that helped and she this is kind of a funny story but she came to me after a while she'd been sober for a while and there was a christmas uh dinner and she said, you know, Barb, that's the only time I miss alcohol. She said, I would love to have my Manhattan with my Christmas dinner. And of course, you know, I said, well, I'm sure that'll be okay, which is the last thing I should have said. But anyway, so she did. And time went on. And a few weeks later, she called me up and she said, Barb, you have to come over to my apartment right now. And I said, why? And she said, just come. So I went. And I walked the door and she handed me a bottle in a brown paper bag. And she said, Barbara, I can't drink. She said, I walked two blocks to the grocery store. I bought this bottle. I had it put in a paper sack and I brought it home. And the bottle was, she'd had her share. And I mean, at the time we laughed about it, but it was serious. I mean, that was a sad thing. That she said, I'm an old lady walking down the street with a bottle in my hand. So, in a brown paper bag. In a brown paper bag. I'm a bag lady. <laughs> so, anyway, she did. And that was just triggered by that one Manhattan. Yes. She said, I can't do that. I cannot have a drink. Of but and I that's bet partly. Go ahead. I was going to say that I bet there was some sort of peace around that too of realizing like, okay, I, I wanted it because she probably didn't pine for it as much the next Christmas. No, it, it never seemed to bother her after that. And I think it was one of the things that said to me, you know, if you're going to quit, quit, you know, don't think that you can then, you know, imbibe whenever you get the, the feeling that you might like a drink. 
That's a very scary slope. Yeah, it is. So, but you're doing great. You okay. seem to just have, you know, you've written two books, you've got your various meetings and congratulations to you. Thank you. Yeah, it's been really interesting because it definitely, I like to say I was an accidental author. It didn't, didn't start intentionally, very much did not see my life going this way. I mean, first of all, never saw myself stopping drinking. So that was, you know, number one. And then definitely when I stopped, did not see that that would end up turning into um, writing books about it. It was really just, yeah. you know, my own research. And then when I, I shared it with other people, people were like, wow, this needs to become a book. So I ended up figuring out how to self-publish that. And it's it's really been a whirlwind since then. I, I think that it's, it's just been really interesting. There's, um, if you get a certain number of books sold on your own, then publishers get interested. And so that was really fun about a year and a half ago when the publishers are like, hey, we're interested. And then we actually did like a whole bidding war with all the publishers. So that was really cool. Yeah. Um, but it's just really fun to see, you know, that people, um, that there can be a, a different side to this conversation, you know, after so long, like it can just be a, a different side because I was really stuck in a place of like, well, if it's not bad enough, then I'm going to just keep doing it. And one of the yeah. things I think I'm most grateful for is getting off that proverbial train before it went any further down, <laughs> down, <laughs> down the hill. Exactly. Down the hill. <laughs> Mine had been going up and down for years. So anyway, but you know, and you're getting um, input from people all around the world. You know, I see people that write from Australia and New Zealand and various places, so that's great. And I also, when I when I first read your book, I noticed that there were a couple of other um, websites that had sobriety. There's one, Hip Hop Sobriety or something like that. I went and looked at that, but that wasn't for me. So, you know, I just liked the way you wrote and it just, it appealed to me. And I think that's what you have to do. You have to find something that speaks to you. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm really glad that you came to share your story because I do, you know, so, so often people just feel like, well, I'm already, I'm already in my sixties. I'm already in my seventies. Like there's just not even a point to doing this anymore. Yeah. Or, you know, or I, they also feel, um, another common theme is just feeling so ingrained. Like my habits must be so ingrained, but yeah. so if you are 83, you, and when did you start drinking in high school? So what, yeah. that's some years. Yeah, so yeah. 60 some years, exactly, exactly. And I'm just glad that I stopped, I really am. And I, you know, I, I wish I had stopped sooner, but it is what it is. So, you know, you yeah. just go with what happens. So anyway. Yeah, it's always a new, new day, yeah. a new chance. Yeah. Well, yeah. Amazing. So what else, um, what else has sort of transpired since, since you've stopped? Have you felt, uh, you know, you're social with your husband, but have you like had, um, you know, other social experiences that have been good or bad or people putting pressure on you or anything like that? No, I've never, I've never felt that. Um, but then at my age, you don't do as much going out to cocktail bars and that sort of thing as you did when you, you were younger. So it might've had more of an effect on me if, it, if I had stopped earlier. But um, I just, I kind of get the feeling that people are okay with an individual that quits drinking. You know, it's not this, I don't know about younger people, but certainly in my age group, I don't see any comeback, you know, on that at all. I feel like it's been a, a huge shift just in the five years since I've stopped. Um, huge shift. 
in how yeah. people feel about it. And that's beautiful. I mean, with how connected we are with um, the internet and social media, it takes a lot less time for, for trends to kind of ignite and drive. Right. Exactly. I had a very funny experience earlier this year where the local newspaper called me up and they, um, they wanted to do a piece on me because I was local. And she's like, I just can't believe like you've been in like Forbes and Good Morning America and Chicago Post and New York Times. Like, how have we not written about you? And I was like, well, the funny thing is that this hasn't been a local thing, right? It, it truly has been like, say there's, you know, my first readers were like from Australia and the UK and it's been a very global thing, which has been really, really cool, you know? And so it's these little pockets of people kind of all over the world. Um, and I, I had another funny experience where I went to a local book signing. I was asked to sign books up in a ski town up in the mountains of Colorado, Beaver Creek. And I went in there and, and there were, I was thinking nobody was going to come and they were charging for tickets. And I was like, why would you charge for tickets at a book signing? That doesn't make any sense to me. And I was calling my mom because I was like, nobody's going to show up. And oh my gosh, like I just had this idea. And, and I walk in and it was packed. They had to close the doors and stuff. And I was like, this is in a little town in Colorado. Yeah. And so it's really neat that there's just like these little pockets of people wanting this alternative, wanting this, you know, change without definition, without labeling, without um, the shame, the guilt, the blame, all that right. stuff. Let's just put that at the door and let's just not do this. And I, I think, uh, yeah, I do think it's changing quite a bit, um, just culturally, not, not to do with me necessarily, but just in general. I think so too. Just so exciting and so cool. A friend of mine, her son is an alcoholic and he goes to AA and, you know, he had the mentor and now he's a mentor and he leads some of the AA meetings. And when she said, I want to read your, what you sent to Annie Grace. And I said, okay. So I sent it to her and she called me back and she said, can I give this to Bob? Because I think he could really use it at the AA meeting. So, you know, I gave it to him, but, um, you know, he, he's done fine with AA. It's, I just don't like the attitude that, you know, it's a disease and that whole business about it. And I don't, you know, I just like the way you do it. So works for me. <laughs> and I, I think it's super, uh, from what I understand, I've, I've only been to one AA meeting ever. And it was right before I published just because I wanted to make sure that I had that experience before I wrote about it um, in the book. And so I went with a friend of mine who had been going for years and it was, it was a really interesting experience. I mean, it was um, very positive in the sense that there was so much support and so many people wanted yes. to give their phone numbers. I went to a women's meeting in Denver and it was very sad in a sense that it was very heavy. It was, it was very sad. It was a very um, intense meeting. There was a lot of tears. And I, I understand that there, there definitely needs to be a purging of sorts and, and right. whatnot, but also scientifically, uh, you know, the changes we make that stick, one of the main causes of a change sticking is how much positive emotion you have around that change. Right. And that was one of the things that struck with your book to me, too. So, you know, it's like when you're trying to discipline your children, you know, remember the positive, not the negative. And um, so I totally agree. And it shows in your writing that that's where you are. And that was another thing about AA that I just, I didn't like. It was almost kind of a you know, you have to stand up and say, I'm an alcoholic and all this. And, you know, that's, that's hard for people to do. Yeah. It's, it's another barrier to the conversation, I think, which yeah, is unfortunate. Yeah. Like if, you know, we could 
really take down the barriers into the conversation. I think that's just such a win. And, um, but I do think there are lots of people who, and I think it really varies meeting by meeting because AA is so organic in a sense. It's such a sort of grassroots thing that the culture that you can have at one meeting can like be polar opposite of a culture at a meeting down the street. So I have people telling me that their whole AA is, you know, the whole meeting is reading the book and, and then they, they carry it right along with their big book. And this is this like, here's the science, here's the big book, you know, this is the package. And then other people have said, Oh, I brought it to my AA meeting and I am like got my head bit off. It was, I'm, this was awful. What can I do? (laughs) You know? So I think it is, it's so varied, even meeting to meeting, which, because I think that it is really driven. So, and especially because there is such a, such a need for people to um, meet in person in real life. Yes. I think that's really positive too. Absolutely. Yeah. So great. So um, why don't you tell me to, to kind of wrap us up, tell me, you know, what would you have said to yourself? Uh, The, the up and down the train, with all the ups and downs oh, okay. to yourself about what life is like now. Well, I would, I would have said before I quit drinking, you know, Barbara, you, you're not, you've got headaches when you wake up, you don't sleep well, you know, you may say, and another thing was I would often uh, fly off the handle after I'd had two or three drinks, which I, I don't do anymore. And that's just amazing to me because it shows that my personality was such that alcohol affected the way I behaved. And that's been a huge improvement for me. That I really have profited from that. But, um, you know, I would, I would think, okay, now I'm gonna quit drinking. I think I need to quit drinking. And then I think, oh no, we're gonna go to such and such this weekend. You know, maybe I'll think about it later. But for some reason, it this was the moment for me, and I guess everybody reaches that moment when when it happens for them. And it just, I looked forward to getting up in the morning. I'd get my coffee and I'd read your chapter, and I think this is going to be a great day. And it was. I mean, it really was. So um, I can't say enough about how how good it was for me. So anyway. That's awesome. And so great that you're feeling physically just so much better. What a, what a wonderful thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Even, even my blood pressure went down. <laughs> wow. Awesome. People do send me stats like that. They're like, look at this. This is incredible. Yeah. And yeah. different, like very concrete things that change when you, yeah. what did your doctor say? Well, I haven't seen my doctor since I did it, but he used to say, now, Barbara, do you drink? And I would say, well, yeah, I drink. And he'd say, well, you shouldn't drink hard spirits and maybe a little wine. And I'd say, uh, maybe. Okay. So then I'd go in and he'd say, are you drinking wine? Yes, I'm drinking wine. Well, you know, you might think about giving that up too. So I haven't seen him for quite a while, but when I go in, I'm going to say, okay, ask me the question (laughs) because I'm not drinking. So he'll be pleased. He'll be pleased. I never really had that much interaction with my doctor over it. So, yeah, yeah, anyway. Well, that's really, really cool. Well, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story. Is there anything you wanna share? Well, I just wanna say to anybody that is thinking about quitting drinking, you know, just give it a shot. You don't have to say, I'm absolutely gonna do it. Just start in and see where it goes. And 
and read the book by Annie Grace. Awesome. <laughs> get you through. <laughs> okay. really fun. And I hope you have a wonderful day. Thank you. I hope you do too. And good <laughs> luck with the, the continuation of this career you have. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Bye. Bye-bye. Hi, I'm so excited, you guys, because we are just about to start another live alcohol experiment. And if you do not know about the alcohol experiment, you need to literally drop everything right now and go to thisnakedmind.com forward slash LAE. That's LAE for live alcohol experiment. And here's the thing. This 30-day challenge is designed to interrupt your patterns and put you back in touch with the best version of you. You know it's that version that's living the most joyful life, that version that doesn't need alcohol to relax, or have a good time and that version that's having more fun and is more peaceful than ever again it's a 30-day challenge it's live it's starting on the first so hurry up go to thisnakedmind.com forward slash lab and as always rate review and subscribe to this podcast as it truly helps the message reach somebody who might need to hear it today